Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. The Bonnie Forest is a lush coastal ecosystem on the border between Kenya and Somalia. Its location and its geography have made it an ideal hideout for Al-Shabaab, the Somali terrorist group that has launched some devastating attacks in Kenya over the last decade. In 2015, Kenyan security forces mounted an operation to rid the region of Al-Shabaab but their heavy-handed tactics alienated the local population, disrupting lives and livelihoods of the people who, ostensibly, the security forces were meant to protect. The military intervention was failing, and people were less secure in their livelihoods. That was until my guest today, Judy Kimamo, helped launch a grassroots peace conference for the region, known as the Bonnie Enclave Stakeholders Conference. Over 130 groups attended the conference, including local leaders, government and security officials, and various members of civil society. That was in 2017. Now, nearly three years later, the positive impact of that peacebuilding effort is still being felt. Judy Kimamo is the Kenya Director for Search for Common Ground, an international nonprofit specializing in peacebuilding and conflict resolution. We kick off with an extended conversation about the security problems in the Bonnie Forest region and the government's initial response. We then have a wider conversation about what made her peacebuilding efforts so successful and what lessons others may draw and how to design a local peacebuilding initiative. When it comes to peacebuilding, what she helped pull off with the Bonnie Enclave Stakeholders Conference is quite cutting edge, and I'm very glad to bring this story to you. My conversation with Judy Kimamo is one episode in a series that is supported in part from a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York. The grant helps to feature African perspectives on peace and security issues in Africa. Please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com to view and download other episodes that are part of the series. And I do want to note one thing. When I spoke with Judy Kimamo, she was near the Bonnie Forest region, and our audio connection was just not that strong. And the audio quality is not what is typical of this podcast. Still, she has an incredible story to tell, so I have also posted a transcript of our conversation to globaldispatchespodcast.com. And today's episode is brought to you by Northwestern University's online master's program in global health. Learn how to make a meaningful difference in places where it is needed the most. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com and click on the ad to learn more or go to sps.northwestern.edu slash global. And now here is my conversation with Judy Kimamo of Search for Common Ground. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. 
Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So the Boni Forest is an important forest ecosystem that traverses two countries, Kenya and Somalia, and is an important forest ecosystem, especially with regards to peace and security uh, matters. The Boni Forest on the Kenya side uh, traverses three counties. One of the counties is Lamu, where we had uh, tourists abducted in the early days where the, 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 the violent extremist networks would come hijack and cross people over and ask for ransoms and sometimes just disappear uh, people uh, who they abducted, or foreign nationals who they abducted from the Kenyan soil. Uh, it also, the Boni Forest is also home to uh, Tana River County, where the Tana River, which is one of the biggest rivers in the country that provides hydropower pours into the ocean. So it forms a huge fertile delta uh, where many communities have come, uh, have come over time to get uh, their livelihoods. And when it is very, very dry in the northern sides of Kenya that are arid, semi-arid, uh, we find many herders coming down with their animals right into the delta so that they can get water and pasture. The forest also sits uh, in Garissa County, which has also significant historic importance uh, with regard to the university attack that saw 148 um, university students lose their life during a, an early morning attack by Al-Shabaab. Yeah, and that was a, 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 an attack that captured international headlines, I recall, when oh, yes. you know over 100 oh, yeah. you know, young university students were killed in their university dorms. Yes, it was devastating. It was devastating. The fact that innocent young lives helplessly uh, were brought down by very heavily armed uh, uh, young men who, who, had, uh, who had made a very calculated move and, and held out, uh, held fire and were able to repulse the security agencies for quite long. Hmm. So, so Garissa for us then uh, it became an, a place of increased importance. Uh, because also it remains as a as a huge border county. It has a long border. Uh, uh, it hosts a long border between Kenya and Somali. But it's also a trade route. Many of the traders uh, who use the Mogadishu port sometimes have have found their goods coming through the country, through the border point along uh, Kenya, uh, Kenya's Garissa and Lamu coasts. So. You know, you're describing, you know, a very strategically important region. How is it that mm. the region and the forest itself became a, mm. a, a, a place where Al-Shabaab began to make incursions and set up bases? Aha. Uh-huh. So on the other side of, of, of the Somali territory, the forest goes right into um, Jubaland. And Jubaland is one of the areas that Al-Shabaab has held ground for a long time, uh, and, and uh, it, it's an area where also the government on the Somali side has not had 
quite a quite quite significant presence for a long period of time. It also um, is one of the it hosts some of the important ports and 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 fishing areas, including Raskamboni, and 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 because it is a high it is a it is a high forest uh, with with heavy vegetation, with heavy with heavy rainfall at times. Uh, it becomes an important ecosystem for groups that are uh, not very well uh, defined, uh, or groups that are that want to hide under the cover of of, of 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 vegetation. It becomes an important strategic area for them to 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 live and thrive. Why? Because they can easily find their water uh, within the forest. They can easily go under cover within the high under the high bushes. And they can also move up and down the terrain without getting too much identified as they move across the borders. Being a forest terrain means that some of the border, uh, some of the border points become very porous mm-hmm. because we can't, uh, you, you, you wouldn't expect that there would be a policeman every inch or a border, a, a border patrol person every inch of of the border where the forest traverses. Yeah, so basically so it it's an easy, an, if you are a terrorist seeking to cross a border yes. from Somalia to Kenya, yes. this forest yeah. is an ideal hiding ground. It's an yeah. ideal, mm-hmm. is an ideal uh, uh, place to go to. Just uh, two years ago, um, an, an Italian girl who had come in as a volunteer to Kenya was abducted um, in Kilifi, Kilifi border, Stana River, and she was taken into Tana River, and they crossed her to Somalia through the Boni Forest. Mm. So, as much as the government tried to come uh, to search her to uh, rescue her, because of its vastness, they were still able to hide and hold her hostage, and she finally was crossed over into Somalia. Mm. So, so it is a huge, it is a huge expanse uh, of land. That becomes now important, especially for people who are seeking to to uh, increase security and maintain peace, and uh, especially within border communities. So, how had historically, or, or let me let me say this: How did the government respond to, and government security forces respond to the fact that Al Shabaab had increasingly set up these bases inside its territory, inside the the forest? Mm-hmm. So. The first thing that happened is that the government uh, declared it as an operation zone, and uh, as AMISOM was deployed uh, to work in the Somalia side uh, to secure mm-hmm. uh, communities and to secure towns and to free them from the hold of Al Shabaab. And we should say, Am- Amis- and, and just just to interrupt you, AMISOM, AMISOM is the African Union peacekeeping force that operates in Somalia. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they were deployed on the Somalia side to uh, reinforce uh, the, the security operations that were happening on that side. And on the Kenya side, the, the Kenya government uh, also started a, a campaign that was called Operation Linda Bonnie, uh, translated to mean uh, uh, a campaign, an operation to protect the Bonnie. And therefore, the military set base and many other uh, specialized forces uh, set base uh, so as to overcome uh, the challenge that the terrorists were, were posing and the threat they were presenting uh, to the government, uh, 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 the existential threat 
uh, because what what they really do is make sure that there's no government and, and if possible, try and create their own uh, uh, their own territory where they can govern and run without uh, the formally recognized government. Mm-hmm. So that operation, Linda Boni, brought in place several restrictions. So there were restrictions of communities that were living in the forest. They, there were curfews. There were movement curfews after a certain period of time. Uh, and when the risk escalated, the communities were asked to evacuate uh, the indigenous communities, the hunters and gatherers, uh, and other communities that were living inside the Boni. Uh, some, some of the farming communities were asked to evacuate so that the government could conduct a more intensive operation that included bombing of, of, the, of, the, of the places where they had cited uh, Al-Shabaab presence. However, that presented a challenge at that point, and that is where we now be- began to uh, uh, um, uh, provide opportunities where we could um, uh, provide interventions. One, because of the prolonged uh, restrictions of, on movement, uh, many civil societies were beginning to get uh, uh, frustrated and were ready to take the government to court mm. so as to lift, so that the government could lift the ban on movement or lift the ban uh, uh, that was uh, the curfews that were limiting people's freedoms. Uh, so we, we, we also realized that because the communities were going to be evacuated, it meant that many livelihoods would have been, uh, would have been put at more risk and more vulnerable. We had also had dialogues with young people, with, with the elders uh, in the community, the communities in Namu, and they were increasingly expressing frustration uh, because further to the, to the curfews that were imposed and, rest- uh, and limitations to get into the forest, the ocean was also banned. Hmm. Night fishing and night movements were also restricted. Well, I mean, so it sounds, means- well, it just like sounds what you're describing is a very heavy handed response by the Kenyan government yes. and the Kenyan security yes. forces who, you know, are legitimately yes. trying to fight al-Shabaab, but in the process yeah. are imposing all these restrictions on civilians in and the, the area. Yes. And and presumably yes. these civilians are getting frustrated with the government and the security services. And mm-hmm. you know, presumably mm-hmm. they're, they're not, they're, you know, they're, they're more than frustrated. Yeah. You know, these government security services yeah. are undermining their livelihoods. And uh, undermining their livelihoods, undermining their their freedoms, and also not not getting consulted. So they just see measures top down, uh, uh, very little consultation, and everybody has to has to toe the line and 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 failure to which then the consequences were dire. So the grievances, the community frustration was at an all time high, uh, where they were saying they could no longer get uh, a decent livelihood, a decent um, means of earning. Uh, now that they couldn't fish at night, uh, during the day there was not enough fish stock for mm-hmm. them to, uh, to fish and sell and even, for example, take their children to school if they had children who are going to high school or to the universities or to the colleges. The few that, that wanted to take their children, they said they couldn't. And even the few young men who, who no longer could uh, go to the ocean at night 
who are getting now more attracted to other sources of livelihood, including joining, uh, yeah. conscript, getting conscripted to the groups. Yeah, so and, it was and totally, it, it sounds like a totally counterproductive response. Yes, yes. It was, a, it was playing out into what uh, the violent extremist networks were, were not, maybe hoping, uh, maybe hoping that uh, uh, people can now begin to dissociate themselves with the government and, and begin to associate themselves with them who looked like they were having a solution to the, to the issues that the community was facing. So, so can I ask, so how, how is it that then yeah. in this context in which, you know, the uh-huh. heavy-handed government response is, you know, driving uh-huh. some uh-huh. people to violent extremism, is undermining other people's livelihoods, how is it that you came yeah. up with this idea to have... A, a stakeholders conference and and elements. How do the elements of a peace plan and a peace process sort of come to yes. you? So um, part of our work is we 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 and we seek to understand uh, the issues the the issues that that uh, that fuel the conflict. We seek to listen to both parties within a conflict, and this time round we chose to listen to both the government security agencies. And the community, uh, uh, the communities, and we did separate uh, dialogues, dialogues within the security actors, uh, in, within their own space, uh, various actors. Because we realized, for example, in the border, we had got many, many agencies. We had got the Kenya Forest Service, uh, that is a disciplined service, and therefore they have arms who are in charge of the forest. We had the Kenya. Wildlife uh, service that looks at the wildlife that are also armed and were, were also important actors in that same space. We had the the Kenya Maritime Authority who managed the waters and the and the and the same. We also had the county government which was interested in building fishery uh, the fishery sector because the county government part of their roles and responsibilities is to create a conducive environment for agriculture. Mm-hmm. and fisheries. Uh, we also have the Kenya Army that was an important actor in the same. So meetings within the security agencies helped them understand where the gaps are and what the gaps were and what they were trying to address and to also check if what they were trying to address was bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. We also brought in the communities who, who, who are very vo- vo- vocal and, 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 and voiced their, their frustrations uh, around the fact that they couldn't move, the fact that they couldn't get government services, and the fact that they couldn't get opportunities to engage with the security actor. So we then uh, were able to get champions within the, the, the government security and administration agencies, uh, uh, including the county commissioners, who were able now to uh, sit together uh, and have constructive uh, engagement, constructive discussions, to have discussions that were that were bare knuckle, where they were able to talk about what each side uh, 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 wanted to see as 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 their their their, their own way of securing uh, their communities. We we then brought on board the, the the organizations that were willing to that were ready to go and sue the government uh, for denying some of the basic human rights and freedoms, and we asked them that that if they could consider, before they go the, 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 the legal route, 
before they go to court, mm. if they could consider to use that basket of funding that they had and, and bring it to the same table mm. uh, and, and build a bigger process. So we ended up building a, a coalition of many actors and stakeholders who are all interested in resolving the conflict in various ways. And we, and we, and we set to mobilize all the resources that we had within ourselves, and there were resources that were uh, coming from various uh, different uh, agencies, uh, including uh, the European Union, including uh, the, the USID, including the Department of State. So all those kits, uh, pots of funding were, put to, were pulled together, uh, <clears throat> including government agencies, hmm. uh, and we formed a, a big working group that worked for a period of about a month and a half to to look at the conflict to understand what we what we what we would have uh, uh, defined as the actors within that conflict, and then to really see where would we start if we brought all those actors together from from all those three counties, where would we start together and what we did over the three over the over a period of three weeks we were able to to agree that what we wanted to see was that the communities were consulted and that communities were central to the development of security, uh, any security strategies that were being uh, uh, unfolded in that region. And we then uh, were able to map all the important actors. So we brought together all the members of parliament uh, from, uh, from all those counties. We brought in the county government officials and the highest uh, persons who came for that meeting were the speakers of the county of the of the of the county assemblies. We also brought in representatives of the disciplined forces uh, mm. from the various uh, disciplined services that were sitting in the body. We brought in the elders uh, who are representing the communities where uh, uh, much much grievance had come had come through. We also identified the young people who were. Who, who faced the highest branch because of, uh, many, many, many had said they couldn't move up and down, couldn't come and seek for jobs, livelihoods had been curtailed, their families had been, um, had been uh, frustrated, uh, and women. I mean, it's interesting to me what you're describing is very much not a kind of conventional top-down peace plan or peace process. Uh-huh. It's, it's just yeah. the opposite of that. You're, you've identified various stakeholders, sometimes it sounds like mm-hmm. even from the margins of society, um, but you've also yeah. brought together the disparate security forces in different parts of the Kenyan mm-hmm. government, which don't seem, as you yes. described, to always be working you know, together or in the best interests of yes. the people. And you yes. have this 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 you know massive conference and stakeholder meeting. Mm. So, can, can, mm. what what came of that? So, what what were what was the result of this massive peace process that you put together? So, when when we brought the leaders to the room, many of them had not sat together in such a space. So, the first. Uh, two days was quite a bit of storming, quite a bit of energy, uh, confrontations, uh, people talking about their positions and, and interests and what they think is best for their communities, uh, and, 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 and negotiations. So how do we want to secure? Do we want to, to, to have more guns given to civilians as police reservists? 
Do we want to see more uh, boots on the ground? Do we actually need the Operation Linda Bonnie? Uh, what, 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 how can we get uh, the government to account for the sons who are disappearing from the communities, who, who cannot be traced, who are believed to have been picked by security agencies? So the first two days were very heavy. Uh, by the third day, and, and part of our peace building strategy is to allow people to, 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 to allow the conversation to heat up. Mm-hmm. but moderate it in such a way that by the time people have expressed uh, what, what, what frustrates them, what angers them, what, what, what upsets them, uh, we are able to land into a place where we, we start looking at how then do we move forward. So when we got to the, in fact, we added, we had to add a day because we realized by day three when we're supposed to be winding up, we're not yet at a place where people are ready to go back and uh, and and, uh, and and have solutions that they could work together. But by the fourth day, we had already, uh, people had now broken into groups within their, uh, uh, within important groups uh, and had sittings, some going right through the night to see how best they would uh, 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 have, have, have a cross-relationship cross that would allow different actors to work together. So some of the things that came out of uh, that conference was to, uh, was to begin to, to understand and to track uh, how we best engage the security actors and the communities to improve the night fishing uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So how would the government uh, provide an opportunity for engagement of the fishermen to go forward and see how they can secure the night. Uh, the government makes sure that fishing at night is safe, but also that the fishermen provide an opportunity to uh, also become uh, party to the design of the peace architecture that was happening within the ocean. We also spoke about uh, programming, peace programming within the schools. Uh, at the time of the conference, many schools within the forest had already been closed down because of the operations that were going on. So uh, uh, five, at least five schools, some had been uh, burnt by Al-Shabaab, others had had to be closed down so that the uh, military uh, uh, military action could, could go on and see where the, the cells were. So part of it was to see then how do we um, have uh, programming within schools, the schools that were open, uh, so that the children begin to understand the the threat and how they can engage through peace clubs uh, and build a sense of citizenship uh, within the school. Another thing that also was addressed is is the the the, 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 the migration of herders uh, and their livestock up and down uh, the Kenyan uh, northern corridor. So it was one of the very uh, sticking challenges mm. because what Al-Shabaab had done over time is that they had started uh, infiltrating the migration corridors and uh, would walk down as herders who, who were herding animals in the forest, but really they were not herding, they were just using the animals to move from one point to another. Mm. So when the security agencies then cracked down, they will crack down both on the good, uh, good, good herders who are just out there 
trying to make sure that their animals have pasture and water and 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 put them in the same box with, with these other young uh, unidentified people who are also in the forest. So there's a huge grievance because many farmers are saying their herders are being harassed, uh, but the government was saying we have, we have got no way of telling apart who the good herders are and who the enemy is within the forest. So, so, so there's what, a big conversation. So, so you know, you, it sounds you know what you've described are a number of different strategies. The end result yes. of which seem to be try to increase the confidence of people who live in this region yes. that they will have yes. a secure livelihood, um, that they're uh-huh. uh, and and you know that they will be treated with more respect by the government. Uh-huh. Yes. Years later, so so now that this was two years ago, um, how yes. how different is the is the situation is the conflict in the Bani Forest region uh, today than it was before you started this conflict? Pardon me. So, uh, before you started yeah. the, um, the the conference, oh, oh. so uh, many milestones have been achieved. Uh, one of the biggest milestones is that now we have a, a, a fisherman platform that has got both the fishermen uh, management units that we call the beach management units, working with the government uh, security agencies and the government agricultural uh, sector to vet uh, all the fishermen who go out to do night fishing. And uh, they have been given a card that is called a movie card, which will be a card alongside their national ID that that they can use. And it's a biometric card that they can use when they're out uh, in the ocean uh, uh, fishing and doing their business. As long as they can show that card, uh, they are known to be credible fishermen who are in a vessel that is identified. And what they have agreed is that they will be accounting for the number of vessels that go out from their beach landing sites, and they will account for the number of individuals who go, and they'll also account for the number of individuals who come back. But also, increasingly, that platform is meant also to be an enterprise. We are looking forward to the blue economy, where now the fishermen can come and also use that same platform to to inform the buyers of the kind of fish or the amount of stock of fish they've brought back from their night uh, fishing. So the night fishing has been, has, has been improved greatly. Uh, fishermen are now uh, more freer, more free, I would say, mm. to conduct their night fishing uh, without too much harassment from the uh, security agencies who did not know how best to vet them. The second thing is that now the schools within the Bonnie Forest have recently been opened. Um, just last year, uh, in November, we were able to support uh, the official government opening uh, ceremony that saw five schools inside the forest open and a commitment by the government to send in teachers and to take in resources into those schools and to uh, and to and to provide protection and security for the learners and the teachers who would be in those schools. The other thing that has uh, that also happened is that there was a, an engagement around uh, 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 criminal justice actors. So there's many more conversations now happening with the criminal justice actors, who include the police. 
the director of public prosecution, the courts, um, the probation people, uh, so as to make the conversations with communities around violent extremism and, and people who are committing acts of violent extremism to begin to understand what, it's, what the repercussions are of holding information, of aiding, of abetting, or even turning a blind eye. Uh, mm. uh, uh, so conversations between the justice actors are also mushrooming. Peace clubs, we now have peace clubs that have been formed by the uh, National Commission, the government agency responsible for cohesion in the country, has now set up peace clubs within uh, the Tana River uh, County. But most importantly is that now there's community engagement, there's community dialogues, active spaces where citizens are working with, their, with the army, uh, citizens are in, engaging the police, C- citizens are engaging the special forces, uh, m- now more than it was when the, when the conference began. Now there's a, a, a better, there's a better opportunity for people uh, both citizens and states to sit together and talk about sensitive security matters. Well, Al-Shabaab still continues to claw back uh, some of the gains that we make. For example, you find uh, just, just recently they went and, 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 and attacked uh, an airstrip, uh, an American base was attacked and they, and they burnt off uh, the equipment and some of the uh, aircraft just a few days ago. They, they shot at a bus. So as much as we move forward, there will still be incidences where people stop. And you, sometimes we see a reversal of the progress that had been made in terms of building relationships and trust between the citizens. But it is work uh, in progress. It seems like you've kind of hit upon a successful model for conflict transformation and for peace building. I'm wondering, um, I'm, I'm wondering if the model that you've kind of put together for the Bonnie forest region can be applied uh, elsewhere where there is conflict, particularly in, in Africa, where you do have this kind of um, combination of local grievances and mismanagement by the government and violent extremism Mm -hmm. that tend to fuel, um, that tend to to feed off each other and fuel conflict. Mm -hmm. Are there lessons Mm -hmm. that you could draw from your experience that could be applied elsewhere? Yes. um, First of all, um, uh, the, the, the shared humanity, when we bring together actors, we help them. And, uh, uh, unpack issues that that bring them together. What are these issues that will bring them together uh, that they can address together and both have a win-win? So, for example, we when we got into the fishing uh, space, the night fishing space, it was in the interest of the community to go into the ocean at night and fish. But it was also in the interest of the government to secure the night the oceans at night so that we do not have Al-Shabaab crossing over and conducting attacks on the Kenyan border through the waters. So the two, uh, the two stakeholders or the two entities in this particular conflict had one interest. And therefore, coming together to sit and address it became uh, a, a, an opportunity for them to meet together but also address uh, other bigger uh, matters in the community. So shared humanity... And shared interest is something that we focus on. 
the other thing is that our approach is non-adversarial. So as we are engaging the stakeholders separately, we provide uh, opportunities to, 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 build, uh, to build their confidence, to engage in a non-adversarial manner where they can be able to pack uh, and organize their issues that they can come and engage with the other party when they finally get to meet. That, 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 that is quite a bit of work. Uh, and, and part of the learning is that some of these uh, uh, initiatives and activities that we do uh, will require you to deepen, to do more activities than probably you had uh, in, uh, initially planned for. But what has really been our game changer is when we brought many more actors. So it was not just search for common ground, working alone in that ecosystem. It was such for common ground, it was human rights organizations, it was uh, other international NGOs, it was the, the, the leaders uh, forming grassroots networks. So that big pool, uh, and also bringing uh, government agencies that are interested in, 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 in peace building together. That then became, uh, it now created a snowball effect. It built momentum on its own, it got a life of its own, and and the and the share and the success was shared, and 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 many people, uh, many people then began began to see where they could uh, take up actions and take them forward uh, from their own uh, end of the hood. So shared shared coordination is very important. So if you're dealing with a difficult conflict or a protracted conflict, uh, it would be good to have stakeholders work together. Think, think, sit down and think through that conflict. Just like security people, if you look at people who are who are planning uh, security matters for 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 a country, you find that they sit and they create strategies over a long time and then finally execute. The same with peace builders. We should sit down together as peace builders, think through the conflict or think through the 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 issue that we want to address over time and create a strategy that ends up presenting multi-pronged uh, opportunities for the conflict to be addressed uh, by, the, by the actors. So rather than being ex- exclusionist, uh, working together is difficult. But then it's not easy. It's not easy to, to have people from different organizations, from government, from, 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 uh, from, from civil society to sit together continuously for a long time. It requires skill and it requires a good convener. But once you do that, you're able to, to go longer. You're able to address the conflict um, into a much more longer-term uh, kind of, of setting. Finally, is that um, uh, we also believe that peace is, is a process. So uh, once we, once we, once we um, begin to see the results, we know that the results have to be sustained. Uh, so how do we ensure that the community the 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 environment the stakeholders are the ones that are now beginning to drive the process uh uh forward uh, and market and and, and and create a market so you see like the Mvubi cards that we uh, that we started with three years ago, the first pilot was purely a pilot that was funded by civil society actors on its own. But when we piloted it, we tried it out. Now it has gotten to a place where the government is hosting the platform 
as an ICT platform, as an ICT service that will be offered to its citizens. So the process is now getting, has, has gone into the market and it has got uh, the major uh, actor, the government, uh, leading the process. Mm. So that bit is what uh, makes lasting peace. The sustainability piece is where the initiative now resources itself and moves ahead. Well, Judy, thank you so much for your time. More importantly, thank you so much for your work. It was an honor speaking with you and it was a pleasure. Yes, and thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Judy Kimamo. That was very interesting. And I am just absolutely fascinated to hear the ins and outs of these local peace building efforts, particularly how you know they're able to fight one of the most destructive terrorist groups in the region while simultaneously helping to build livelihoods and promote peace and tolerance. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you to Judy Kimamo for sharing her story, but more importantly for her work. And one disclosure, the views and opinions expressed are solely the responsibility of those who express them. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye.